Hey, New Numa family, this is Britt Eaton. You're listening to the New Numa Godcast. I love listening to my brother Norman, the Professor Brown, because he never shies away from topics most of the church won't even touch. If this is your first time listening, make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and on the YouTube channel today. You are tuned in to the New Numa Godcast, hosted by Norman Brown, a.k.a. Professor, where we address the taboo from a biblical view. Our podcast is all about real talk with new life. And quite frankly, you'll either love it or you won't. Because we deal with tough topics that the church rarely touches. Somebody's got to do it. And that's why we exist. So just sit back, chill, and enjoy the ride. Because it's going to be good. Peace. Yeah, so I, I was basically just talking about, um, you know, typically when we're looking at words like submit, and even if that's the modern English translation that I would say, you know, at least 75% of the church is pretty much gravitated toward. When we're triggered by words like this, it's really important for us to do some careful self-examination and ask ourselves, what is triggering that feeling? Like, what is making me feel this way about it? Is it an actual misinterpretation of the word that I'm seeing that's being put out there in a way that's harmful? Or is there some trauma in my life that is causing me to see this word, see this story, see this situation through a lens that is distorted, that is creating or that is potentially causing me to see God as someone, as a father who's less than good. And these are things that we need to figure out how to do that on our own or if we can't do it on our own to be able to be in community with people who can love us through it where we can unpack and process what we're going through because that's how we get to the root of the healing that comes with words like submit. I know it took years of counseling after some of the marital struggles that my husband and I had, you know, gosh, it would have been like eight years ago now. Um, I remember going into counseling for the first time and unpacking some of these things and all of these deep-seated beliefs that I had that were horrifying lies from the enemy, but I just believed them because it's what was taught and how I interpreted it at the time. But this process of deconstruction that the Father can invite you into, where you let go of what you think you thought about what the Word says, and then you discover and knew what God always intended for you out of these words. Uh, even when you go into, you know, and I'm certainly not a scholar, I don't, study deep Greek and Latin and Aramaic, and I don't go deep into ancient languages. But even going back to the original part, the very start of our conversation where we talked about that word submit and how the modern-day English translation of that word doesn't even exist in the original Greek, but that original Greek word meant to deploy oneself in support of another. Like that is the that is the reality and the beauty of selflessness. That is grace in action. That's not rolling over and giving up your identity or even your own authority that you've been given in this world. It's an opportunity to love like Jesus did, to say, I know who I am, and I'm so confident in who I am as a beloved child that I'm willing to put you first in this moment. And if we're uncomfortable getting there, there's probably a reason why. And I just want to encourage people who are listening to this podcast, like, this is like 301, like, big, high-level discussion on biblical concepts. Like, this is heavy stuff. 
but there's an invitation for you that's here that says, you know what, God, I can read something, and I, if it's triggering me, there's probably a reason why. And as I lean into that dissonance, would you show me? What about my heart is not wanting to align with your way of thinking? What about my heart is having trouble receiving this truth or even just reading the story? What is that about, Papa? And in my experience, he is so faithful to meet us when we earnestly seek him and we come to him and say, if submission is the word, God, would you teach me what that looks like in my situation? Like, don't look for some concrete, one-size-fits-all solution in the Word. Go to the heart of the Father and ask Him, what does submission look like for me based on the truth that you've given me? He will be faithful to answer. He will give you clarity on your next steps. Maybe not your next steps for the next 10 years, but He'll let you know what you need to do. Um, yeah, so this is, these conversations are so powerful, and this, this concept of not just submitting but being willing to deploy ourselves in support of one another, whether that's in marriage, whether that's in a corporate setting, whether that's in a church setting, or even in a, an overarching family dynamic where it includes children, to understand what submission really is, what that original language really meant, and to partner with the heart of God in it, I believe we will bring about wild reformation in the church and in the world if we can learn what it looks like to walk that out. And I think it's exciting. I think we're on the cusp of something really big. I think so, too. And, you know, I wanted to say that um, one of the key components of submission is trust. And one of the examples that I brought up earlier that I didn't go into yet was with Abraham and Sarah. And I believe that when you look at their situation, coming from one country, going somewhere that neither one of them had been to before, and just trusting God while Sarah was also trusting her husband, that he heard God to go into a certain direction. I mean, she was not the one who God spoke to. God spoke to Abraham. And when he spoke to him, he told him, go somewhere. You've never been there before, but I'm going to show you something. You go where I tell you to go. When you get there, you're going to know it. He didn't even tell him exactly where he was going. He Mm -hmm. just basically told him a direction and said, like, go east or whatever. And then he went that way. And, I mean, I can't even imagine, to be honest, I can't really imagine myself, the Lord saying, go east. And I'm like, (laughs) okay, so... Like, how do I go east? Am I going to take this route or this road? Or, like, how, which way you want me to go to go east? I mean, that's a lot of ways I could go east, you know. And so you just go east, and he's like, I'm going to show you where you're going. That's really nice, but how in the world am I getting to the place if I don't really know exactly where I'm going? So even in God speaking to Abraham, Abraham had to trust God to say, okay, I know you just spoke to me. I know that this is real because I've never heard this voice before. I had no reason to be hearing a voice right now. Uh, So it has to be a real God that that I've never met before. So I'm going to go wherever you tell me to go. However, it would help to know exactly what direction I'm going to take, like what route that I need to go on or whatever. Like, so that would, that would be nice to know that, but he just went and he, he, he submitted to God's will, he submitted to God's plan, trusting him, and then his wife 
was submitting to him, mm-hmm. trusting him that he was hearing God. Yeah. That's a big deal. And, and, and what it shows, and I'm, I'm going to let you speak on, on this too, but what it shows is that when we're in situations specifically with a husband and wife, mm-hmm. because a lot of times, you know, um, what I've seen with women that are, you know, I'm going to say in the Western society because the West is different from the East for sure. Mm-hmm. And, um, and when you see a lot of times when it comes to a man uh, trying to do certain things or whatever, a lot of women in Western societies, they're not just going to just do it or they're not going to just be, you know, following their husband when they don't have any evidence of something. Yeah. And the thing is, is that um, what I see in that, number one, is there's obviously a lack of trust, mm-hmm. and that doesn't have to be because somebody did something to break their trust. It's just yeah. that they're like, well, I've never done this, so I'm uncertain of what this is going to look like or whatever, and how do you know that this is going to work out? Or how do you know this is going to be like this or that? And the thing about it is, neither one of them really knew what was going to be. But God spoke to Abraham and gave him a direction, and he started to follow that direction. And then at the end, when it was time for him to be in the place or when he ended up in the place that he was supposed to be, and, you know, I guess the way I would look at it is like this, now that I think of it. God knew the route and the path that Abraham was going to take when he said to go. So yeah. he already knew that he was going to take a path that was going to end up bringing him right into the place where he was supposed to go to, and then he would just say, all right, you're here. Yeah, yeah. So when God knows he already gave you a certain thing to do, and he knows who you are and what kind of decisions you're going to make, then he's going to already have accounted for that when he says, something as vague as go here and, uh, to a place I'm going to show you, <laughs> you yeah. know? And so that's the thing about submission. Also, there has yeah. to be trust involved when you're talking about submitting. There absolutely does have to be. And the, the situation with Sarah is so unique because as an act of submission to her husband, what she was really doing was submitting to God and his yeah. authority. And she was even saying, do you know what? I know my husband, I love him, and I trust him so much that even if I'm not hearing exactly what he's hearing, that I believe him, and I'm all in, and I'm with him, and I will support him, regardless of whether I'm hearing the exact same thing or not. And I think one of the things that we're tempted to, and I don't even, I don't even believe in, like, gender curses or things like this, but often you see this with women, maybe because in history, you know, and even, I guess, in some places today, our our opinion our our opinions are not valued. Our positions of authority, God given authority, are not valued, and we have been kind of trying to fight our way into our rightful place for a really long time. So when you have that kind of deep seated trauma, wives might look at their husband and say, "Okay, you've never done anything to make me believe that you might." Like, imagine if a modern day Abraham and Sarah situation is playing out, and husband's like. God said, go east. And Sarah's like, um, what? <laughs> what do you mean by that, go east? Okay, well, where east are we going? I don't know. We're just going to go. Um, okay. Like, you can understand how in this context and in this culture, and I'm sure in Abraham and Sarah's culture, that had to be a radical way to operate. 
But at some point, she knew how close Abraham was with God. She knew that he was going to be the father of all nations. She knew the call on their family's life. She was so surrendered that she looked at him and said, you know what? You might be crazy, but more likely you're hearing from God, and I'm just not hearing, so I'm with you. Wherever we're going, let's go eat. And so this is an invitation for wives in this day. Even if our husband is saying something that that doesn't sound like something we're hearing or we're like, wow, that, that doesn't sound like what I think, it's not about rolling over submitting and saying, okay, whatever you say goes, honey, that's not it. But it's about entering into meaningful dialogue and discussion and say, wow, tell me more about that. Like, what are you hearing? Like, how can I partner with it? How can I pray? How can I show up and be supportive of you rather than saying, um, I don't think you're really hearing from God. I don't really trust you to hear from him, and yeah, I'm not going to submit to that. Instead, partner and, and then earnestly ask the father, what are you saying to my husband? Would you say that to me too, please? <laughs> like, would you make it really abundantly clear? But even in Abraham and Sarah's situation, Things get complicated when God talks about Abraham being the father of all nations and they go late, late, late into these years and they don't have a baby and Sarah's looking at herself and clock is ticking and she's like, all right, Hagar seems of birthing age. Let's like, let's take this situation into our own hands and we will bring about the will of God on our own. And that's certainly not what God intended but he, God did redeem the situation. Even as we are trying to discern, even as we are trying to learn what submission looks like in this realm, we are going to misstep. Like our, our perceived authorities are not going to get it right 100% of the time. And those of us who are doing our best to operate in a loving and healthy form of, of earthly submission and devotion to our, our spiritual leaders and our, and our earthly leaders, we're going to overstep, and we're going to try to take, take things into our own hands, and we're going to make a mess. But God is so faithful to even take those messes and redeem them and create tribes and cultures that are so, so unique and so beautiful and still have such like, prominence in even our modern-day culture. Thousands of years later, those decisions, our willingness to either trust God and follow him when he gives us a message or our, or our unwillingness or, or when we try to take things into our own hands, there are eternal consequences for these kinds of things. So if we as a family unit, as, as a, a corporate unit, as a church unit, as a, as a family, husband, wife, and children unit, if we can look at this and say, where is honor due? How can I step up and partner with what God may or may not, even if I don't understand it, how can I partner with what God may be doing right now and help bring advice and support and solutions to step forward and what it looks like to go east? <laughs> like, if Sarah was a modern-day woman, maybe she'd be pulling up her GPS on her little ways on her phone and she'd be like, okay, maybe we're going to New England. You like social crab? I like social crab. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's a really interesting kind of situation there for sure. But um yes. Yes. Yeah, I just I just feel like, you know, all in all what we're what we're seeing and I believe this is something that, you know, God is trying to retrain people in mm-hmm. is um and based on the the abuse that we have seen 
in the authorities and churches and stuff like that and government and whatever else that God is trying to show us, okay, submission is still a thing. Mm -hmm. I still want people to be submitted to one another, but just knowing what that means and what that looks like, understanding what the power of that is, understanding what that's supposed to be, what the outcome of that will be, and all those kinds of things because anything – Anything that's good can be misused or abused and then cause people to have a bad uh, taste in their mouth. Now, I was saying, uh, I I said something about water, and um, and I said, you can drink, you can drink water until, you, you, you know, you can drink water. I can't remember exactly how I said it, to be honest, but I said something along the lines of, Drinking water can it can uh, quench your thirst. It can um, make you uh, uh, make you full, and it mm-hmm. can make you um, hydrated. However, drinking too much will drown you. Yeah. And then I said that means that anything good can be used to the extreme. And the only thing that any the only thing that cannot go you cannot get too much of is Jesus. Oh, That's yeah. the only thing you cannot get too much of. Anything mm-hmm. else can be extreme. It can go to the extreme of whatever it was supposed to do. Now it can cause negative effects or whatever based on it being too much of it. So the point is is that Submission being as good as it is and and being meant by God to be something that will benefit us as well as protect us, as well as help us in, you know, keeping us safe from certain types of, you know, going over certain boundaries or whatever the case may be. It can it can also be something that if misunderstood, misused and things of that nature can be negative. So what this whole podcast was about is to show people that submission is not a dirty word. It's not something to be feared. It's not something that is equal to slavery. It's none of that. It is something that is very much empowering, and it's also protecting. And these kinds of things, are the new way that people need to be retrained into what does this mean? What does submission really mean? What does it look like? How does it affect me? How does it change me? How does it uh, help me in my everyday life? You know, I mean, if we didn't have laws, which are a level of submitting, when you have laws, that you, it's something you have to submit to, to say, okay, I'm not... You know, like, uh, if you talk about murder, for instance, the reason why murder and, the, uh, I mean, the, uh, the consequences of murder are, are what they are and cause people to normally, it deters people from murdering, um, mm-hmm. it's because there is a level of, okay, if I do this, then this is what's going to happen to me. And mm-hmm. therefore, I submit to that law that says 
I mean, well, it doesn't say don't murder, but, you know, if you know if you murder, then you're going to get, you know, there's consequences with that. So when you look at submission for that in light of laws and, and rules and regulations, there are these things in place for a reason. And these kinds of things give us a, a uh, construct to work within so that we don't go extreme with things. And the thing about it is, it keeps order. So if you have yeah. these laws in place and you submit to the laws, then there's an order that comes with that submission, and that's why we don't have rampant murders all over the place because mm-hmm. people, they understand, okay, there's a consequence that comes with murder, whether mm-hmm. it be that they go to jail, whether they go to electric chair, whether somebody comes and murders them, whatever. It's mm-hmm. all kinds of consequences that could come with of someone committing a murder. The point is is that all laws are set in place for various levels of prevention and protection at the same time. And when mm-hmm. we submit to those things, then we're keeping a order and uh, a prevention of chaos and confusion all around us as well. And that's why, you know, uh, one of the things that I said in this one discussion that I had was, if you have two heads, that's a monster. Yeah. There is yeah. no organization that has two heads. There's no uh there's no company, there's no um business, whatever, company business, government, nowhere on the planet are there two heads that lead a whole thing together. You have to have one head and then you everybody else is under that head. But that does not mean that there are not people with, let's say, almost equivalent power or, you know, whatever. Like they are powerful in whatever they're doing, such as you have a CEO, CIO, COO, CFO, you know. (laughs) And all these people are the head of whatever that is that they're over, but they all have to ultimately submit to the CEO. Yes. But even more beautiful, think about this from a succession standpoint. What if something were to happen to the head? What if something were to happen to the origin, to the provider, to the support of the unit? Who steps in? Like what happens when the president of the United States dies or gets assassinated? The vice president takes vice over. President. And why yeah. does the vice president equally yes. equally qualified? And when you look at even the family unit, this is so important because I feel like I feel like there are people who are listening today who may be single moms, single parents, who are looking at this whole thing and saying, I don't even know how this applies to me because it's literally just me. You need to understand you will be given authority according to your context, but that when you have the opportunity to operate within the confines of covenant as God has given it to us, it is a, an honor and a privilege to get to work with, support, and deploy your support for your spouse. And so when you're thinking about this, even from a husband's and wife's perspective, because it just often just comes down to this one thing and it trickles down, those of us who are called into positions of authority, whether you're husbands or CEOs, whatever, you need to love, not rule and lord over your people, but love them and act sacrificially 
and then those who are called to submit to the authority that you carry, they will arrange themselves like a battle regiment for you in support of you and whatever it is you're trying to do. These people are passive. They are powerful, and leaders need them. Leaders need them. We are perfect matches for one another, and we step into the harmony and the beauty that is created out of the natural hierarchy here. It's not a us versus them, I'm better than this. It's none of that. It comes back into the beauty of how we were created to be reflections and facets of the Father's heart. It's so good. You know, this is one more point that I would like to make that I think is very, very relevant to this conversation. Um. This concept in the Bible that says we are a royal priesthood, a chosen mm. generation, mm. and 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 then we see where Jesus says, or the Bible says, he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Now, when we look at these concepts, put them together, and we're saying, okay, all of those that are in the kingdom of God are royalty. Mm. It's not It's not some, oh, here's the king and the queen, and then everybody else is the subjects. It is everybody is royalty. So great. Now, if we are all royalty, then we're going to all be ruling in some kind of way. However, yeah. there still is a submitting to others, whether it be, let's just say it like this. If you have a king, he has princes and princesses, <laughs> they are royalty, but they still have to submit to the king. Yes. They are They are just a, another level of royalty. And so they are also future kings and queens mm-hmm. in the making. So the thing about it is, you know, understanding that you're not in, in the sense of um, being a son or a daughter, you're not less than anyone else in the kingdom of God in that respect. However, there are levels of authority. There's levels of power. There's levels of function. And Mm -hmm. Jesus, if he had not made it clear enough by when he said, there is no man greater than uh, no man born unto women. That's greater than John the Baptist. Yeah. Yeah. He made that clear. And then, and then, and, exactly. So he said, there's none. I don't care who you are. There's nobody. Yeah. And then he said, if you want to be great in the kingdom, you have to become the least, the servant of all. Wow. Yeah. So now we're going to go to another level about submission. When yeah. you're a real submitted servant, you are understanding that you having more power or authority, so to speak, is you serving more. So good. Yeah. So now we're, now we're talking about another side of the submission. Now you're submitting to the fact that if I am to be the one that is looked at as a leader, now I am serving more than others. Yeah. And so that's the thing that also now begins to separate, as we used to say, or as we say, the men from the boys. Yeah, you know, absolutely. You, now, now we're going to get in, now we're into another realm of thinking when we're talking about submission and we're talking about the power and or the authority that goes with that. And what does that truly mean to me? Now, when Jesus made it very clear that you have to be servant to all 
in order to be great in the kingdom. Now that's giving us even a whole different look at what a king looks like. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And and obviously Jesus gave us that example when he washed their feet. So yes. When he washed their feet and then died for them. I mean, he said all authority on the heaven and earth has been given to me. And he was the one who had to die. Yeah. He was the one who had that sacrificial love. Like, like, do you really want to be the authority figure? Like, this is the conversation I'm always surprised it's not happening in the church. <laughs> why are all the men not saying, why do I have to die? Well, the women are screaming, why do I have to submit? When we get to the heart of it, it's the heart of Christ. And what does that look like in your unique situation, in your unique scenario? God is so faithful to give us structure for this. I love it. I love it. This is such a rich conversation. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, that I, I know that um, that just woke up some people because they probably yeah. were thinking another way. And you were probably some some people might have been listening, saying, yeah, yeah, I'm the authority. And then all of a sudden they heard they're like, oh, oh, no. <laughs> you know, I was like, like, let no. me let me go hide in a corner right now. I don't want anybody to see my face, <laughs> you oh, know. Man. So that just that just knocked some people down a few notches when they heard that. And so this is a thing about bringing a correct understanding to specific biblical principles because so many things have been taught. Like I'll, I'll just say out of my own personal experience, years ago I went to a church where there was this man that, you know, the, he was supposed to be the pastor of the church, and um, he spoke on things about – you know, um, he will always bring up this stuff about believe the prophets. Uh, women, women, let me see how it goes. It's trust in the Lord and you shall be established. Believe his prophets and so shall you prosper. I think it's something like that. Mm-hmm. I can't remember now. I don't remember if it's the one way or the other. But the point is he used to use this scripture a lot. And I think it comes from Kings or Chronicles or whatever. And mm-hmm. the bottom line was it always was used in the context of I'm a prophet, so you need to listen to what I say for oh, you wow. to prosper, basically. And, uh-huh. and you know, and back in the time when, when I was going through that season of my life, I looked at it like I thought that that was the way it was because I didn't know any better. I was younger in the Lord, and I wasn't mm-hmm. experienced as I am now and things of that nature. But then years later, I realized this man was using this to control and manipulate people. Yes. And yes. and the thing is, is that this is where people have to understand, going back to what you said earlier, like there's been a few times where I literally stood up to people who claim to be an authority spiritually. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was like, so I, I'll give you one example. So there's this one time I had, um, <clears throat> I used to do an event back in the day. And um, and when I did this event, I had all kinds of artists come together doing Christian hip-hop, um, mm-hmm. uh, singing and, you know, dance or whatever. It was just all kinds of things, spoken word, poetry. And it was okay. just really good. It was really like it was it was a big event in Baltimore, you know, for the time and, and what it was, and it was growing. And um, I ended up going to this church that, um, you know, I was in a new season in my life. I started going to this other church. And uh, my event that I was doing, I had been doing it for um, 
some time before I even started going to this church. And then it just so happened that um, while I was at this church, at some point in time, the son of that pastor wanted to go into the prisons. He wanted to go into Baltimore City Jail. And mm -hmm. I was like, when he came to me, he came to me about it, and he was like, yeah, man, I want to go into the jail. I was like, that's what I've been wanting to do for years. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, let's do it. So I got my, I pulled my resources together. I got my, you know, my artists that I had that I was connected to. I got them together. I started telling them about this. And uh, pretty much all of them wanted to go into the prison with me. And so next thing I know, we're going in there. We're doing all this stuff. And um, a lot of young boys are getting saved. You know, they were like in what they call baby bookings. And um, <clears throat> these are all teenagers. And, like, we had the first time we went in there, it was, like, 60 kids or something like that, and or uh, maybe 50 or whatever. But it was, like, almost more than half of them got saved that night. Wow. And then, and then we went in there another time, and the same thing happened. Like, more than half of them got saved on that night. Mm -hmm. And so then a little bit later, um, apparently the pastor of that church he found out that I was, uh, I, I had, he found out about my event, but he was, um, he, he thought that he was going to shut it down. Yeah. And, um, and he told somebody, another pastor who was like, you know, I guess you could say an associate pastor or whatever. He told that pastor to come to me and say, um, to tell me to stop doing my event. And this is exactly how he said it. He said, um, I did not authorize you to do that event. Mm -hmm. And I said to the pastor that came to me, I said, listen, this is what I need you to tell him. First of all, um, if, I was, if, if I was one of your sons in the ministry, then you would have come to me directly to say anything you had to say. But yeah. since you sent this other guy to talk to me, that tells me that you do not see me as a son. And therefore, I'm going to also say, that this event was not, it did not need to be authorized by you because it was authorized by the Holy Spirit before I came here. I didn't need you to authorize anything. And I told that pastor, I said, now you go back and you tell him that and tell him I said it just like that. Mm -hmm. yeah. And he went, you know, and that was, and shortly thereafter I left there. The point I'm making by saying this story is that I tried everything that I could to be, under submission to his spiritual authority, that was his church, this, that, and the other. Right. But when he came to me with that, that's when things, that's when I had to let him know, I'm not, I don't need to submit this to you at all. Yeah. Because that was one of those moments that it had to be made clear that there's a distinction between what's going on in your church versus what the Lord told me to do outside of here. Yeah. So you you wanted to say something? Yeah, well, I just think it goes back to the basic premise. If all authority on heaven and earth has been given to Jesus, Jesus, I mean, you read the stories that he was not afraid to challenge authority. He was regularly going to religious figures and being like, you know what? I think you think you're taking all the pieces, but actually I'm going to flip it all on the test right now. I'm going to tell you how it really is. He was more direct with people than anyone so knowing that it's mental, 
this is why submission is so important when it comes to, you know, a flock that's trying to follow a leader, even a wife trying to love and lead with her husband. It's important. Hey, Britt, Britt, your phone is, Britt, your phone was breaking up. Your phone was breaking up, your connection. Um, no, can you hear me again? Yes, now I hear you. Okay. Knowing that one day these authority figures in this earthly realm will stand before God and be judged more harshly. Yeah, that's in the Bible. They will be judged more harshly for the burden of the mantle they have to carry in this realm. They need our support. They need our support. And not only do they need our support, they need us to step up and let them know when they're operating outside of alignment with the Father's heart. They need yeah. to be open to hearing that. That is not a mutual submission. That is a radical interconnectedness and um, an radical, um, it's, it's not codependence, it's uh, like an interdependence on one another. It's not needing exactly. someone so desperately that you would die without them, but it's literally saying, I, want, I don't want to do this for you. I want to do it with you. I want to help you. Mm-hmm. And when we have that yeah. heart, that that spirit of humility and however we step up and act either as leaders or as people who are hoping to champion and support our leaders this is an opportunity for us to learn what humility and grace really looks like and so in those situations sometimes we will have heartbreaking stories where we come to an impasse because you don't have two willing parties to enter into this kind of covenant relationship but sometimes True. when you hear the brave Esther stories and you hear the brave stories of marriages that have been reconciled, of friendships that have been you know, brought back together, when you hear these stories and you say, but for the grace of God, that's when we can testify to the beauty of the boundaries that we've been given and the role, the responsibilities, assignments, and the story that we've been given in this realm. That's when we can look and say, wow, God. I'm so glad you're in control because you really do know better than me. <laughs> Amen. True yeah. indeed. Wow. So we we really did talk about some really good stuff today. And, um, you know, I just hope that people that have been listening really got a lot of nuggets because we dropped a lot of gems in this in this conversation. So I hope that people were really tuning in and that they even listen again and again to really catch what God is saying because the thing is is that um, God wants us to realize that submission is part of us being in his will. And when we are submitted to his will, things are going to go in a certain way. It's like, it's like saying if I jump out of an airplane, gravity is going to take me down. And that's yeah. the thing. I'm working with gravity, not against it. Yeah. I'm going to go with the gravity so that I can go where I'm trying to go right now when I jumped out of the airplane. But if I'm trying to, like, go up when I should be going down, that's a, a hard fight. <laughs> and so and sure. you're not going to win it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the point is, is that, you know, submission is, is the way of life. When you're a believer, submission is a way of life. This is not something that you just, you know, turn on and off and say, you know, whatever I want to do, I'm going to do it now. And then tomorrow, like, okay, I'm going to submit, you know. Nah, I mean, obviously there's people that have probably done that, 
but they realize that the the results of that don't come out well. So yeah. the thing is, is that we need to really be uh, aware of the power of submission, the purpose of submission, and the results of submission. So I, I don't know if you had any last words you wanted to say about it. Yeah, I just I just want to encourage people who are listening today and just take this as like a, a little a little prayer sprinkle over you at the end of this conversation. If you are someone who is called to lead and called to walk in a position of authority, ask God to teach you what it looks like to love and lead the flock. Ask him to teach you what it looks like to be a gentle shepherd like he is. He's so faithful and he will do that in a way that positions you as a leader who is so gentle in spirit that you will have people flocking around you, dying to support you, dying to submit to your cause, and so much wanting to honor you as a way of honoring God. I just want to encourage you, lean into the Father's heart with that. And if you are someone who is called to submit, that sticky, tricky word, to submit in any context, whether that's within biblical marriage, whether that's within some of the confines of the church or um, any kind of earthly authority structure, Lean into the Father and ask Him, what does submission look like in my situation? Don't look at blanket, you know, highly contextual situations in Scripture and say, well, whatever they were doing has to apply to me. You have access to the throne room of heaven right now, and God wants to hear from you. He wants you to ask Him questions and to go deeper into understanding of His character and the rules that He's placed for us in this life for our good and for His glory. So when you're struggling, when you're wrestling with this idea of submission, ask him to renew your mind. Ask him to give you the purest version of what submission really means. Ask him to teach you what it looks like to show up in full devotion, to be deployed and ready to serve and support the ones who are stepping into love and lead and be willing to die for you. That kind of reciprocity is from the kingdom, and it is for you today. So I love you, and I'm praying for you in this in Jesus' name. (laughs) Yes, and um, I just want to say a quick prayer to the people listening. Uh, Father God, uh, we come into agreement that, Today has been a day of open eyes. Father God, that you would really make this word become alive in those that heard it, that it would be revelatory to them, that it would be life-changing to them, Lord God, that it will alter the course that they've been traveling, Father God, to be able to redirect them in a path that you have ordained for them. Father, I pray that this will be a means by which the minds of the individuals listening would be trained a, a certain way to think about submission, Father God, and also to realize who they can be through submitting to your will, your ultimate will, and also being as a servant to become servant to all, Lord God, so that they can be and may be elevated in your kingdom. Father God, mm-hmm. I thank you that you give them a proper alignment, Lord God, that you give them a proper uh, understanding of submission, Father God, so that they will get the maximum benefit out of this this uh, subject that we cover today. Let this be life-changing for those that are listening. And anyone who is out there that is not born again, Father God, I pray that if they heard this all the way through, Lord God, this is not by coincidence that they've heard it all the way through. I ask, Lord God, that you would prick their heart, Lord God, mm-hmm. to be able to feel the, the Spirit of God to be able to be drawn to to the Father by the Holy Spirit. 
And, Father God, I pray that you would cause them to transform by, by receiving Jesus Christ into their heart right now. If you are one of those people, just accept Jesus into your heart. Ask him to come in. Ask him to change you. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to be your Lord and Savior and that he would transform your life from this point forward. In the name of Jesus, we pray and we thank you. Amen. And once again, you've been listening to the New Numa Godcast. Make sure you follow us on social media. <clears throat> also, if you've never done it, make sure you give us a five-star rating and an inspirational comment to go with it. Tell people why they should listen to the podcast. Thank you again for listening. Peace. What's up, family? This is Norman. Thanks for listening to New Numa. We appreciate you, and that includes your feedback. What do you like most about the podcast? What are your favorite subjects? What types of guests would you like to hear more? Shoot us an email today at new.numa.podcast at gmail.com and let us know your thoughts. Peace.